Welcome back. You're listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcast. Be sure to like the video and subscribe to the channel. We are nearing 10,000 subscribers, so if you would assist us in achieving that goal, we would be highly appreciative of your subscription effort. And today's episode is dedicated to the Zelda Sensei and Shamsa. Thank you for your continued support and generosity. We greatly value your patronage, and we thank you for your contributions to the channel and if you'd like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in the description below. Make any donation you'd like, ask a question, we will answer it at the end of the episode. If you donate $100 or more, we will dedicate the episode to you. And I'd like to welcome my co-host, Modern Vintage Gamer. What's going on, Nate? Great to be here. Always great to have you. And we have a fun episode today. We're going to talk about Nintendo once again for the second time in 2021. And I have a feeling Nintendo is probably going to be a topic matter that we're going to have a lot in 2021 because their year seems to be the most exciting and also the most mysterious of the three companies, though Microsoft and Sony are also going to have a exceptional year once they start to roll out some software for the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. But Nintendo had a nice little announcement this morning where we saw the first or second trailer for Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury, but this trailer gave us a first look at Bowser's Fury And it also gave us a look at a brand new Nintendo Switch that is Mario-themed. And if I recall correct, this is something that we made mention of way back in September when we were giving some predictions about what we would see from Mario's 35th anniversary. We did, Nate. We we called it. Uh, We did say, (laughs) and we felt pretty strongly, that we felt like there was a special edition Mario-themed Switch and we got the game in watch instead, right? And I think we were a little perplexed as to what happened. <laughs> and I guess we just wrote off that, well, maybe Nintendo, you know, with, with COVID and everything is is um, not really equipped to handle a limited edition Switch. And here we are, you know, it's now January and all of a sudden with the Mario 3D World Bowser's Fury announcement reveal this morning we have got the elusive Nintendo Switch that we were waiting on. So a very, very good announcement. I think um, I'm going to get it because I I love the way it looks. And it's kind of the way that I envisage what it would look like in my head, you know, when I was thinking about this. And I got to say, I'm I'm, I'm on board with it. So I I don't usually tend to buy second or third, you know, um, pieces of hardware that I already own, but... This one does warrant me taking a look at it, so I'm going to check it out. What, what did you think of the of the uh, limited edition Switch? It looks really nice. It definitely has that Mario feel and theme to it. I like how they use the Joy-Con grips, and they had the blue on it to really get that feel of Mario illustrated. Yeah. And I, mean, I don't know how many people really use those Joy-Con grips anymore, but it's nice that they actually went that far and made that blue. My only pet peeve is that the back stand is the still stand. black. Everyone was, yeah, the kickstand. A lot of people were telling me about how they didn't didn't know why they left it the way it was. Yeah, why isn't why isn't that blue or even make it green and make it look like a Mario pipe? Yeah, make make it like an uh an accent color or something to make it look a little yeah. different. I think that would really kind of round out the packaging. It's a good question. I don't know. I guess maybe they just cut some corners, you know, on on the manufacturing process <laughs> and they just said, oh, we've got two million kickstand pieces 
sitting in our factory warehouse. Let's just slap them on and use those instead. I, I don't really know, but like, I'm sure there's going to be people out there that just, you know, paint theirs, whatever color they want, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. And you're probably right. It's just a case of, we have a surplus of these. We're not going to make a custom looking kickstand for this particular line of products. So let's just use the ones we already manufactured. It would have been nice to see them with like a blue with the Mario logo in the middle, or even, you know, the green one, something just a little different, or at least put that 35th anniversary emblem on it. Yeah. You know, cause this is supposed to be that big thing for the 35th anniversary of Mario. So it would have been nice just to have that little bit of extra, but Overall, you know, the red dock, the Switch shell itself, I mean, going all the way to the tablet is also red. So this is actually a whole new Switch being manufactured in their product line. It's not simply just a case of the black tablet with two red Joy-Cons and a red dock. They completely did a system. Yeah. So they did put in a lot of effort here, and it it does look very nice. This is probably going to be one of those systems that in a year... It's going to be, you know, selling two, three times its retail price. So definitely if it's something people are interested in, get a pre-order in because these are probably going to sell very quickly. And if the Animal Crossing bundle from last year is any indicator, it might be a while before we see a restock. Are you going to pick one up? Ooh, probably not. I have two Switch and that's enough for me. I'll... It's probably going to be one of those situations where right now I'm fine with waiting. And as soon as I see it on a store shelf, I'll look at it and say, man, that looks nice, but I don't need it. And then I'll regret it a few weeks later when I can't find them anywhere. And I'll be like, well, I didn't need it, but it would have been nice to have. Maybe if it were a light, if it were a Switch light with a nice Mario theme, I might have been a little more tempted because it's, you know, it's cheaper. And I don't have a Switch light. Yeah. So it would have been kind of cool to have a Mario-themed one. But, yeah, I'll, I will probably end up passing on it. I think I'm going to get one, but I will tell you that if it's going to be really difficult to get one, which it probably will be because I think, you know, it'll <laughs> it'll sell out fast. Um, if I'm able to acquire one and without really, you know, fighting bots and, and whatever to, to get one, I'll probably pick one up. But if I miss out i think i'll just i'll be okay with missing out you know i mean i, I may yeah. be a little bummed for about an hour but i'll, I'll get over it i mean i like you i have two switch as well so there's no reason for me to get one other than just the fact that i think it looks really cool and hopefully we'll see um you know zelda 35th this Ooh. year um maybe we'll see some more hardware you know coming out limited edition hardware that'd be cool yeah, I mean, that's that's a good point. It is the 35th anniversary of Zelda. We'll be starting up very soon. Next month is Zelda's birthday month. Yeah. But we probably won't see the celebration of the franchise itself until the new fiscal year, which will start on April 1st, because Mario's celebration concludes on March 31st of this year. So we still have a few more weeks left of the Mario celebration, and then we'll start celebrating Zelda. But absolutely, I can see a Zelda-themed Switch coming in the back half of 2021 or early 2022. And that could be a really sharp looking system. We had the Wind Waker Wii U and that was nice. It had the Hyrule design. It had, you know, the language and everything written on the gamepad itself. Mm-hmm. So we could be looking at a pretty sharp looking switch for Zelda in the coming months. So it's, 
I'm curious to see what Nintendo really does with Switch moving forward because I'm definitely one of the people who thought Nintendo would have been a lot more experimental with the dock and even themes with the Joy-Cons to do them for a variety of their software. Like we had some Splatoon Joy-Cons. We had, I believe, Smash Brothers and Xenoblade. Yep. But I thought they would have gone a lot further with that customization by having a huge range of options of Joy-Cons to represent their franchises. And maybe they'll get there moving forward, but I know it is an expensive accessory, so they're not going to be, you know, a, a silly company yeah. and become irresponsible by doing too much, especially when the product lines, you know, you still got to crank out these things. Just for normal consumers, you don't want to get too invested in those themed Joy-Cons. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think they probably, you know, you feel like, you felt like maybe they would have been further ahead with different hardware, different special edition hardware. But it's always welcome to see when they do announce something new. And, um, you know, this year we talked about on the show last week, there is a lot of anniversaries coming up. So there is, yes. you know, potential for, I'm not saying there's going to be five limited edition Switch models come out this year. But, you know, maybe we'll see um, just some different different takes on, on some of their hardware that they have. You know, maybe some custom Joy-Cons or um, some limited edition, you know, uh, features as well. Maybe a, a pro controller or something. I mean, I think they have a lot of, lot of you know, ground here to experiment and come up with some really cool ideas that, that, that the fans are really looking for. But I, I love the Mario 3D world uh special edition nintendo switch whatever we call it and um yeah if i can get my hands on one i will if i don't get my hands on one i'll i'll be sad for a little while but i'll be i'll be okay yeah it is a sharp looking system and it's nice to see nintendo really offer more of these themed switches i mean we had animal crossing now we have the mario one so it's good to see them embrace their franchises and honor them with these types of systems and as you said 2021 you know, maybe we see Zelda, maybe we see Donkey Kong. We could see a number of franchises be represented in such a way. So the avenue of limited edition switches is certainly a long one, and it's just a question of whether or not Nintendo will do it. And sometimes what's factored into these decisions is stock and supply. You don't want to relegate one of your supply lines to making limited edition systems if you can't even keep up with supply of your standard ones. So you have to make that business decision. So... You know, Nintendo has to weigh a lot of variables here, and this is a good way to cap off the 35th anniversary and even to cap off their current fiscal year, which they have been having record-breaking sales. And this is definitely going to move a few units. So Nintendo's looking to end their fiscal year in a very powerful manner and carry that momentum into 2021. And part of that is the release of 3D World and Bowser's Fury. And we saw a two-minute trailer today. We got to see Bowser's Fury and I guess all of its glory. We saw Mario become a Super Saiyan cat and Bowser became Calamity Bowser. Mm -hmm. And what was your take really quick on the gameplay that they had shown in that trailer as brief as it was? Uh, I thought it looked cool. I um, I like Mario 3D World. I, I enjoyed it on the Wii U. I'll probably take another look at the game. I'm very curious to see more on bowser's fury part of the game i don't know and i know nate you and i were talking before we started recording but i don't know if i would want to play through 3d world again but i i, I don't know I, I may do that i mean especially now is a good time to 
to revisit some older games so maybe i'll, I'll take another n- another look at it there's nothing there's nothing that i don't like about 3d world i think it's a fine game i just don't know if i want to play through it again but um the bowser's fury stuff i i thought was really interesting and yeah look i'll probably get the game um you know it's it's one of those things where nintendo is is very good at basically selling you on the games that you've already bought in the past and this is no exception i think the switch is a good platform for a 3d world game and uh yeah i'll I'll take a look at it for sure what about you i loved what i saw from the bowser's fury i liked how they actually made bowser look like a fearsome character again i mean he became this giant beast he was shooting fire across the map mario was fleeing in terror and that's what I want to see from Bowser in these games. I want him to be that powerful adversary that you kind of hesitate when you look at him and say, man, this is going to be an epic fight. Not that joke of a boss that we often see in some of the Mario games. And the inclusion of Bowser Jr. is always mixed for mm-hmm. me. He debuted in Sunshine, a game I vehemently dislike. And it's always been kind of that joke, comic relief character aside from like Yoshi's Island, which actually that's baby Bowser, but it's kind of, I'm intrigued at how they're going to use him in the gameplay. I mean, like he has his paintbrush. You saw him interact with the world with Mario. So it seems like there's going to be a nice dynamic of the two characters there. And one aspect that they didn't really get into in this trailer, but we have seen it mentioned in the original trailer and on the game's website is that the game does have online. Yes. So, that might be the thing that gets me to replay 3D World is playing online with a friend or a group of friends because 3D World to me really shined as a multiplayer game, not so much as a single player 3D Mario game. It had fantastic local couch co-op, but when I played it on my own, it felt just like a very safe, not exactly a exciting 3D Mario game. Mm-hmm. But it was still quality, top-notch quality. Yeah. So this one with online, I think I would revisit it. But I do hope I can play the Bowser's Fury content from the immediate. Like you boot up the game and there's just a little option as a screen tab that says Bowser's Fury. And if that game, if it's comparable to what we saw of Pikmin 3 Deluxe, let's say it's like a five, six-hour campaign, I'd be content with that. Yeah. Yeah, me so, too. I, I'd, be, I'd be happy with it. And I do agree with you, like... Hopefully they don't make you play through 3D World to get to the Bowser's Fury content. Maybe you can just start playing that from the, yeah. from the beginning. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that owl has to be an action adventure. Yes. Oh dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you have, you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. I think that would be a good a good path for them to consider because I understand people are going to say, well, it came out on the Wii U. Not many people owned a Wii U, so not a lot of people played the game. 
but the game did sell to, I believe, over 50% of the Wii U user base, so it was just around 6 million total sales. And I'm one of those 6 million people. As much as I enjoyed the game back in the day, it's not a game I want to play through completely again. I want to get into this new content. That's what has me excited. Yeah. Not 3D World on its own. And Nintendo clearly views this new content as something substantial because that's what they focused on. Yeah. That is the selling point, and they recognize that. Definitely. I mean, I think, you know, when you bring out these games that, that were on the Wii U and you, you know, you port them to the Switch, and Nintendo's done this, um, you know, offering some new feature or some new functionality as part of, hey, you know, we know that many of you have, or I should say some of you have played this game before. So if you want to take another look, here's some really cool new content as well. I think that's very, very important. Um, and look, they're doing a good job with these ports that, that you know, to the Switch that came from the Wii U. So yes. I, I think it's um, I think it's a smart move and I think it will definitely do well. You know, I think it's it's going to sell X number of million units as we would come to expect with a game like this on the mm-hmm. Switch. Oh, yeah, this game is going to sell a lot of copies. It's probably going to outsell the Wii U version easily in yeah. less than a month. Yeah, easily. Like, yeah, this is easily a 10 million unit seller for them. And I think it's kind of funny that last year in January, we saw the release of New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe, which really didn't have that much in terms of what I would consider deluxe content. And now we have 3D World and Bowser's Fury, which lacks the deluxe brand have substantially more content more new features and more quality of life changes so when i look at deluxe and this this is really a a deluxe treatment Mm -hmm. of a game whereas the other one was just a port yeah yeah (laughs) so i'm i'm happy that nintendo did commit time to create brand new content for this type of release because it really makes double dipping easier to swallow definitely yeah, and I, I, will, so, I will definitely check it out. Um, hopefully, yes. uh, yeah, hopefully we can get to Bowser's Fury without having to complete 3D World first. That would be, um, I wouldn't be too happy with that, but um, I think Nintendo will do good with, with the people and I think it will be a very accessible game on, on either part. If you want to play Bowser's Fury first, I think they should and they will let you jump into that. Um, or if you want to play 3D World for the first time or revisit it if you've already played it, I think you can do that mm-hmm. too. And look, it's a it's a fine package, um, especially for for this part of the year. Um, I think it's it's going to sell well, as you said for sure. Yeah. Plus, it has Cat Mario, and Cat Mario's cute. It's coming out just before Valentine's Day on February twelfth. So if you can't go anywhere on Valentine's Day and you and your significant other enjoy playing video games, there's nothing better than some couch cat co op with Mario and Peach mm-hmm. in 3D World. So it would be a fun little game for you to play together. Absolutely. And now the big topic of today's episode, and we touched on this a little bit in the previous episode, is the Switch Pro, because after we recorded that, what ended up happening was a data mine happened where the firmware was reverse engineered, and they found some mentions of some curious bits of information and before we deep dive into that, I was wondering if you could give the listener a little background on exactly what reverse engineering of a firmware means and entails. Yeah, so reverse engineering is basically the the art, I will say, of taking 
a binary file that was you know built from with source code in mind um, and basically reverse engineering it to get back to the original source code that was that was used to 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 build that piece so when it comes to firmwares you know everything is built from original source code which means that a developer or a set of developers have built a firmware that facilitates the features of the Nintendo Switch and that would be everything from you know everything from accessing the um, the flash storage the SD cards the ability for the controllers to accept inputs when you you know when you press a button or if you use the um, the sticks you know playing the games having the complete Nvidia API um, accessible the audio I mean just the entire gambit of things that comes with a game console is available in a firmware and it's it's built, you know, from source code, like like everything else. So reverse engineering, Nate, is essentially um, taking the firmware file, which is a encrypted binary file at that point when it lives on your switch, and reversing it back to the original source code that was used. Now, it's not going to be one-to-one, so it's not going to have, you know, the developer's comments and, and all that stuff in there, but it will allow for a security researcher or a data miner the ability to start taking a look at what's going on and then from there they can make some decisions and some you know some and present information about what they're seeing as far as you know new features or um you know potentially new hardware revisions and stuff like that yeah very good information there allows everyone to kind of understand exactly how this information is found by the data miners and what it means for developers and even Nintendo as a whole. And now they came out or information was summarized and what the data mine had discovered is that this firmware dates back to April of 2020 from firmware 10.00. And it found a code name for what is believed to be the Switch Revision or Switch Pro that we refer to as. And its code name is Aula. Now, that really, codenames don't mean much of anything. It's not going to hint at anything, because if you look up the definition of the word, you're going to find out that it has to do with the brain. And if you translate it from other languages, it might come back as classroom. There's really nothing there that you're going to read into and say, oh, this is must be the direction. Mm-hmm. So the codename, it's all is the codename. But what was curious about the information is that it suggests that there's going to be a brand new display and this is something that we have seen reports on from Bloomberg and other Japanese outlets, is that Nintendo had been shopping around with Sharp in the Igzo screen, or even the idea of searching for mini or micro LED as a potential screen moving forward. Now, discussions with manufacturers and vendors, you go to all different ones. You're always shopping around for the best product, for the best price to match the product that you're trying to release. So the idea that Nintendo is changing the screen is by no means shocking. I guess the only part of this information that is a surprise is that the data mine does support the idea that Nintendo has chosen a screen and that they have selected a brand new vendor for a screen. Now, this has led to rumors of it could be OLED, it could be mini LED, it could be something completely different. And there's no actual hint or clue as to which form we're going to see in a Switch revision. 
out of if I had to pick between those two options, I'd say Nintendo would likely choose Mini LED. It's very energy efficient, and OLED still has some burn-in issues. Yeah, and if you remember the Vita had the original OLED yes. screen. I mean, it's it's a it was a beautiful looking display, but mm-hmm. it did have that that burn-in you know associated with it. it. Had that thing where you know it it would have artifacting and all that stuff and i think it really distracted a lot of people because they didn't really understand why it was happening i think you're right i think mini led is probably the approach they're going to take here i, I think oled in handhelds you know the technology there still needs to be refined better because yeah you can get burn in on oled displays yeah nintendo is kind of one of those companies of I'm not going to take that risk because if all of a sudden there's significant burn-in, I have to replace these screens. I have to replace these units. Yep. And that's a bigger headache than Nintendo is really equipped to deal with. I mean, we've seen how they handle the Joy-Con drift issue of basically if we ignore it long enough, it'll go away. Or even when the Switch launched and people were scratching their screens while docking it, Nintendo basically said, buy a screen protector. Yeah. So with you know, with burning, I see them trying to avoid that as best they can. Now, every type of screen will always have a dead pixel. I know people are going to say, well, my 3DS screen had a dead pixel, or maybe my Switch had a dead pixel. That's just bound to happen with any production of a screen. Yeah. It's kind of, it's a lottery. The amount of people who do end up with a dead pixel, it's very, very small. It's just, it's amplified on the internet once one person finds it, another person does, and it seems like a bigger deal than it truly is. Yes. But, I mean, it, it sucks if you do get that. I believe on my first 3DS, I had a dead pixel in the middle of the screen. Love Luckily, that. it was a white one. <laughs> so it kind of blended in when there were colors. <laughs> it's one of those things that once you see it, you can't unsee it, right? You always know it's there. Yeah. As soon as I noticed it, it's the one thing I would focus on. I'd be like, oh, man. (laughs) And I eventually got another 3DS when the XL came out, and I had a dead pixel that was black, but it was in the upper right corner. So I just, I could ignore that one and just been like, oh, the screen's a little off center by a pixel. But, you know, screens, all screens are going to have a failure of some type. Burn-in is probably the most offensive of it because you can't ignore burn-in. Definitely not. (laughs) Once you have that red Nintendo Switch Online logo burned into the middle of the bottom of the screen, it's there forever. Yeah, and there's also a cost associated with OLED panels as well, which I think is probably a little higher than Nintendo is considering at this time. Yeah, even the Sharp Igzo screens were pretty high in price. Whereas mini LED, it's it's a more affordable option if they decide to go that route. And it also comes down to the size of the screen. I don't know if Nintendo is really going to make the Switch screen bigger on the tablet than what we have right now. It's pretty that's I know people want a slightly bigger size or they just want the Switch tablet to shrink a bit by getting rid of the bezel. But I'd say the tablet right now is at a pretty pretty nice size in terms of functionality and overall use it's not so big where it's like that's too big and it's not so small that you can't make out things and i mean fire emblems font is because nintendo i guess forgot to test the game 
in handheld mode when they were developing it and left the font to be microscopic. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely curious what direction they'll take with a screen, but we will be getting an updated screen. I I never had any issues with the current screen the Switch uses. Me I either. thought it was a nice higher screen. I do I mean your point about maybe relaxing the bezel restrictions is probably a good one. Like I do think there will be a bigger screen, you know, length and width wise, right? Um yes. but yeah, I mean, they could use the same form factor as the current switch and then just increase the bezel size and then there you go, you've got an increased increased resolution, increased size. Um that does make a lot of sense to me. But then again, you know, they could simply just increase the size of the hardware. You know, when we think about the Nintendo Switch revision or the Pro and I'm using air quotes for that, we make it seem like it's a bigger system than the current one, but you're right. I mean, it could just be the same the exact same form factor with a you know smaller bezel around it and that would be enough to you know to provide a bigger viewing display yes and beyond the screen in this data mine other information went more on the technical side but what's curious is that according to the data mine there is no suggestion that the clocks have seen an increase based on the information found in the firmware And what has to be emphasized and noted is that oftentimes when we're looking at firmware data leaks or data mines, is that a, it's basically the information is incomplete. We're looking at a single piece of a much bigger puzzle and we're trying to fill in those holes based on the information that is made available to us. So a lot of this information doesn't tell that whole story. We're looking at say, well, it doesn't have the clock increases. That doesn't mean anything. It doesn't necessarily mean the clocks won't increase for a Switch Pro or the Switch Revision. It's just that right at this time, this information doesn't have that piece alongside it. So I want to emphasize that before getting too much into the technical side of things. But it appears, based on the data mine, is that what they found in it is that the SoC is still Mariko or Tegra X1 based. So the exact same chip that we currently have in the Switch Lite and in the Switch version 2. And that has a lot of people saying, well, that must mean that the Switch Pro is not going to have as big of a leap in performance or, you know, technology as I guess I was, as I've alluded to. And on its own, that's not what that means. Because as we said, this is incomplete. This also could be a completely unrelated product. Or it is a prototype and an experimental unit that Nintendo is maybe equipping with certain technology so that behind the scenes, when they are working on new products, new games, they're getting an idea of where they can push, you know, software. And a curious bit of information is the mention of a real tech chip. Mm -hmm. And... This is what has a lot of people wondering, what is that there for? Why is there a real tech SOC found in this firmware? And there really isn't a clear cut answer here because the real tech SOC based on the data mine information, it isn't in the switch itself. It's believed that it might be part of the dock or some sort of supplementary device. Now, its main use 
as far as my understanding is, is that the real tech would be used for multimedia boxes and it's going to be used for a 4K image. But Mariko or the Tegra X1 is more than capable of delivering a 4K image for media and games. So why would Nintendo want to have a separate SoC for 4K purpose when you already have a chip that could do it? So what would be the purpose of this Realtek SoC being discovered in the data mine? Well, I mean, this is this is all speculation. Like, yes. um, you know, I think what comes to mind for me is that maybe they want to not use Mariko for the upscaling and just keep keep that available for you know just for games right having having the full level of performance from Mariko without having to utilize any of the upscaling features which would take a percentage of processing power away from the games and effectively you're offloading that that processing to this real tech chip it's like it's sort of like a custom chip almost you know it's it's handling it's it, it has one job and the only job it has is to you know basically display images on and upscale them to to 4k on a on a you know a flat panel or a display so i think that's probably the only reason that i could think of um, and maybe that's that's not you know the the approach but yeah if you would ask me why they would do that i would probably say that it's yeah it's just for processing you know to let mariko have as much power as as it needs to you know utilize the full potential of it so if it were being used in the sense of it's just designed to upscale the hdmi output to 4k would you need a new usb port on the switch to achieve that goal because i believe the current switch usb is too slow to use like nvidia's technology i believe it's called yeah. was it thunderbolt yeah um i so, I, th- I think so i i think you would now I, i'm not i'm not an expert on on usb-c communications <laughs> so uh please don't you know take my words anyone that's listening and and, and run with them but I, I don't think that the current USB-C implementation has, you're right, enough bandwidth to handle that for us. So, yeah, if you're thinking, well, maybe this would live in the dock um, and uh-huh. then they would use USB-C that, that's currently available to do that, unless there's a piece of this that I'm, I'm missing, I don't think that's that's currently feasible. But, again, I'm not a hardware expert. Um, there may be you know, there may be a way for that to happen. Now, one thought that did come to my mind is I am a believer that this is a experimental prototype type of unit. And what they're doing is they have this real tech chip in a dock. They've overclocked the Mariko chip in what we have as the current switch. And they are testing 4K output in anticipation for having 4K on the Switch Pro. And what we found in the firmware via the data mine is simply that test unit because they want to see what they could actually deliver with these systems. So it's they made a Frankenstein of all these parts to say, well, what are we actually going to target and what can we deliver in this form factor? You know, you're testing heat, you're testing a variety of possibilities. Is it viable 
to look at all this information and say, this isn't a product coming to retail. It, this it, is a product for Nintendo's yeah. experimenting. It absolutely is viable. And you bring up some good points. I mean, I think that, yeah, I mean, look, Nintendo is a very, very, you know, secretive and private company, right? Like their intellectual property is, is you know, what they live and die by, right? So the way that they they handle their affairs, even from developers, even, you know, with developers that have access to dev kits and stuff, developers aren't privy to to most of this information. You know, most of the time developers will find out about something maybe a week before the public do. You know, so like I can tell you as a Nintendo developer, I don't see any information about a new Switch anywhere, right? There's, there's no documentation of that. It doesn't exist, right? So so what, what, so what am I getting at? Well, the way that Nintendo could potentially test features of a revision of the hardware would be to incorporate some some parts not the entire suite of of you know features they want to up, upgrade to a new nintendo switch or a switch pro into the firmware and what that would do is allow them to test you know a a new panel or a, a new chip that that has the ability to display 4k uh with upscaling without really messing with with the kind of the current ecosystem you know like if you drop a firmware that has um the ability to to run eight gigabytes right and then you have the ability to use a new chip right a new soc that has a different code name which is not mariko and you have um a new chip uh in the firmware that that talks about you know 4k upscaling as well as one that has increased memory clocks i mean those pieces like those like four or five pieces it's 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 a giveaway right it's almost like well you're giving away you're showing us your cards right you're showing your entire hand of what you have right now <laughs> you know if you're holding a poker hand you're you're basically just giving away what you got right so i think i think nintendo is slowly and very meticulously testing features of their next revision and putting them into firmware revisions. But I agree, Nate, I don't think that this is anything beyond a prototype, you know, um, that we're seeing. So essentially what they're doing is they're testing the new panel with the new chip, but they're keeping everything else the same, um, which (laughs) gives them the ability to test the new panel and what that will entail on a current revision of the firmware with the current revision of or with the current iteration of games that are that are available with with all the games that are currently available on the market so i think it's a smart move that they do that and look i don't i don't disagree with you i i think that this is probably just something they're currently testing that's undergoing i i wouldn't i wouldn't read into this firmware as well this is what this is what the new switch pro is going to be you know it's it's going to be a right. 4k display with with mariko and four gigabytes of ram that that doesn't make sense to me um <laughs> and i think that if people you know take a firmware data mine and basically use that as well this is this is the bible now for the next revision of the switch 
you will be disappointed because a firmware revision is only one piece. And I, I, I mentioned this before, but it's, it's only one piece of a larger puzzle. You know, there are a lot of other things that are involved with revision of new hardware. The firmware is one part of that, but yeah, I, I'm with you on this. I do think that this is Nintendo just testing out some stuff on current revision firmware and current games. I, I do think that, you know, there will be more enhancements that we should see with a, a Switch revision. And the four gigabyte thing for me is really the one that made me think, what? That that doesn't make sense because I do expect to see <laughs> more memory with, with the new revision hardware. Especially if they're going for a 4K system. Exactly. Yeah, they have to, right? Um, they absolutely have to. And look, as a developer, I know that other developers, their biggest hang-up with the Switch is memory. You know, mm-hmm. from that 4 gigabyte, you have access to 3.5 gig. The the half a gig is available. The Horizon OS or the firmware is, is, is using the other, you know, half a gigabyte RAM. So really, that that's always been kind of the biggest issue so if we don't get more memory on a switch revision there's there's something wrong you know so i i do anticipate that we will going forward yeah and as you mentioned everyone should caution Mm -hmm. their expectation of like the switch revision in the sense of don't look at the data mine say oh that's all it's going to be that's disappointing you shouldn't jump to those conclusions we have had valid reports come out from Bloomberg, Wall Street Journal, and other outlets saying it's going to have 4K, which the data mine does support. It's going to have a new screen, which the data mine supports. And as we said, this is one piece to a much bigger picture. And what we're kind of seeing is collab- we're kind of seeing information become corroborated. Mm-hmm. The information that came out from those outlets many months ago is now being corroborated by some of the information found in these firmware data mine leaks. And what we have to look for is that bigger picture. And as you just mentioned, if this is a system that's looking to do 4K output, that four gigabytes of RAM really isn't gonna cut it. And I don't think Nvidia is going to be the company who's going to let Nintendo come out with such a subpar right. of memory bandwidth for a 4K device now if we're just talking 4k upscaling that's where i look at that real tech chip again say what is the purpose of you when you can do that already nintendo disabled that feature in the current x1 and the switch they chose not to allow for 4k upscaling on a hardware level i don't see them releasing a dock with that with another chip inside of it which would mean the dock would be pricey it's not going to be cheap just to do this native or non-native, I guess you would say, because it's not going to be hardware. It's going to be from the dock itself, 4K upscale. Yeah, It seems like a lot of moving parts when the solution to the problem could already be there. You're just adding another variable that isn't necessary. Right. Now, one thing about the Realtek chip is that it's in use right now. It is being used by Mario Kart Live. And it's to send that image back from the camera to the switch. Well, I mean, is are we already <laughs> are we already using Owler then? I mean, because the the you know it, it talks about how the real tech chip is not on the device itself, right? So we're assuming Correct. it's on the dock. 
So mm-hmm. are there new switches coming out that just regular switches that will have Aula, you know, the, the Aula chipset, I guess, or the Aula revision and, and, and that, and, you know, Mario Kart is, is what, what we're talking about. I mean, that's a really good point, you know, that yeah, are we, are we kind of thinking about things in a different way than, the, than what we should be? It's very hard to know. Like the thought that just crossed my mind and it's something we talked about many months ago. What if we are looking at a switch light here? We're talking about a switch light that's going to have a revision to Aula. Yep. But it's going to have wireless docking. It's possible. Yeah. And that dock you plug into the TV is going to have the Realtek chip that is going to convert the image from your switch light, upscale it to 4K. Yeah. I mean, doesn't that kind of fit what we're discussing here? It does. Um, and, and again, you know, we're, we're assuming that anything that is found in a data mine of a firmware that's new information pertains to a Switch Pro. But what if mm-hmm. it's, yeah, what if it is a revision of the current Switch that's just going to be a silent, you know, update? I mean, like, that's what I was kind of thinking of. Like, everyone's looking at this thing saying, well, this must be the Switch revision of the Switch Pro. Right. What if this is a Switch Lite Pro? I remember when um, when Marika was first found in the data mine, um, you know, a couple of years ago, everyone thought that that was the Switch Pro because uh-huh. it's like, oh, this is a new chip. This is it. And, well, technically, yes, it was a new chip, but it ran at the exact same level of performance as the current switch hardware with the same features and on paper at least what we're seeing it's the same thing again albeit with the real tech chip so it could be just yeah it could be just a switch light that that gets um a revision or you know it could be the mario special edition switch that we just talked about has has a new um you know our um you know firmware in there yeah i mean i guess the only thing that would go against that line of logic at this point would be the real if it does have chip. the new screen. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean I think it's a, I think it's actually more interesting to explore the possibility that we're looking at a switch light revision that has wireless docking as an option or even the current Marco units we have out there with the V2 getting a future firmware update that maybe it has that feature introduced for a wireless docking solution with this real tech enhanced dock. Yep. I think that's an interesting avenue to explore, and it still leaves the possibility of that Switch Pro, the Switch Revision, as being a completely separate entity that comes out later this year. And this is Nintendo's way of kind of saying, hey, you have that V2, you want 4K, we're not going to make you buy the Pro. Yeah, We're going to offer this dock as a secondary option to you for, let's say, $100. I could see this actually being an avenue Nintendo would consider. And as you said, if we take this information for exactly what it's worth and say, oh, this has to be a roadmap to what it's what we're expecting from a switch revision, I think this is the X on the map. Yeah. Would be the wireless docking solution over this being the Switch Pro that we have discussed a few times now because I've kind of been that person whenever it comes up. I'm expecting this to be a more substantial upgrade. 
I'm expecting NVIDIA to introduce the technology that it has with DLSS for a Switch Pro. The time is right. This is a good way for Nintendo to look competitive. But wireless docking could also be a game changer for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It, I mean, it gets people kind of interested in a light. You can upgrade the light and have a docking option for them. And that's something where people have kind of said, oh, I want the Switch Lite. It's cheaper. I know I'm going to play it majority in handheld mode. But I'd like that option to have a dock. And if it could be wireless docking, hey, that's that's not a bad avenue for Nintendo to consider. Yeah. Now, I mean, this is this is just speculation based on the information provided. And I haven't seen anyone else consider the idea of wireless docking solution anywhere else. Everyone's focused that this has to be the pro. But this could be a review, a it, reverse Wii U. It yeah, exactly. It, it doesn't it doesn't smell like the pro to me. You know, th- right. this this data mine doesn't doesn't feel like the pro to me. It feels like some type of existing iteration on, on what we have and yeah, I I would I would say if this is definitely something that they're planning on running with um then mm-hmm. yeah it's it's something that you know complements the existing set of hardware like you said yeah if i had to hedge my bet right now i'd say that aula is likely more related to a wireless docking solution than to an actual switch revision but we also have to entertain the possibility that it is just a prototype internal experimental unit that never sees retail release. Yes, that's true. And there's a good point too, because, you know, firmwares uh, are always being upgraded. Now they're saying that since firmware 10, that this is available. Um, you know, Nintendo has got um, on, on the dev kit side, there are firmwares that, that go a lot higher than, than retail. So mm-hmm. there are a lot of things that are in flux right now. I'm not suggesting that this, this stuff has been, pulled from from current firmwares that are on on dev kits but there's always things that are going on in in dev kits as far as adding adding enhancements and adding features to to revisions and and to firmwares so it's it's definitely something that like like we've said it's it's very interesting and it does potentially answer some questions but if you kind of hang your hat on this information being what the next switch pro or the new nintendo switch will be i I would i would really consider you know opening your mind a little more and thinking about the you know the bigger picture here yeah absolutely i would agree with that because as you brought up earlier when we saw the mariko data mine firmware leaks at the time we were looking and say that's a brand new chip we know it bats far higher than the current x1 in the original switch so we are expecting a lot of improvement in terms of performance nope instead nintendo clocked it at the exact same speeds to preserve battery life we didn't see any performance changes and that can simply be the case here the real tech chip just introduces the possibility of maybe a wireless docking solution or as we said it's just background testing and it's never going to come to retail but i like that avenue of speculation more than saying this is what the switch pro is going to be because i am I would definitely say that's not what Switch Pro is going to be. I expect something more exciting, more substantial, 
and bigger from Nintendo and NVIDIA moving forward when they do want to come out with a full-on revision yeah. slash Yeah, I mean, let, let, let's consider that this is the Pro for a second, right? Let, let's just say all this information will be the Pro. It, what what kind of update would this be to the average person? Why would why would it be compelling enough to upgrade to a new Switch model if, if this is what we got? Now, sure, a, a new chip that, that handles display up to 4k or upscaling to 4k that that's kind of cool but everything else doesn't change (laughs) everything else is exactly the same so where is the benefit where is the the premiumness of this product where's the upsell why would i buy Mm. this you know over what we what what we currently have and i think that's the big thing is that where's the upsell and why would i update my current switch to this like i play my switch on a 1080p screen I am more than satisfied with what I'm getting from it. I wouldn't buy this version of a pro based on the data mine information solely for 4K upscale. It means we're still not going to get modern features like HDR, ray tracing, DLSS. So it's still just the switch I currently have with 4K upscale enabled. And even with that being there, the games still aren't going to be picture perfect on a 4K TV, so you may as well keep your current Switch, play a, 4, play a 1080p on a 1080p set. And I understand people have already upgraded to 4K displays, so they are looking for a better solution to play their Switch games. But I wouldn't double dip on this unit just for that. Right. I want something more substantial from something you would market or brand as a pro. I need modern day features like HDR or ray tracing and... I don't think NVIDIA would waste their time on something like this for a substantial hardware upgrade. This just feels like, let's give something to the current models. But man, if this actually was the direction the Pro went, it's I'd be quite disappointed. Yeah, it was, there's nothing it, premium it about would, it. It would be a disappointment. Um, I, I, think, I think back to the new 3DS over the existing 3DS and what they provided there and there was enough Ooh. there, you know, hardware changes that they made to, to um, you know, to warrant that that new system. They would need to do the same, you know, and this would not not be at that level at at this point. This is just the same switch, really. At the end of the day, yeah, because when you look at the new 3ds compared to the DS or 3ds, what we saw was a huge improvement in CPU, a huge improvement in the camera to track 3D with your eyes. And I mean, we were getting exclusive games, Minecraft, Fire Emblem Warriors, Xenoblade Chronicles. There was also additional RAM as well, I believe. That was- Yeah, more RAM. It was, and I believe the CPU increase was something to to the extent of like, a factor of like, what, six? It was significant, yeah. It was a major upgrade. It just was a case of Nintendo never really took advantage of all of those upgrades outside of just a handful of games and look they may not again right i mean the game side may not may not you know change dramatically um but i do expect that what they give us hardware wise is is more than what we're seeing in this data mine i think this data mine like you said nate is either something they're currently testing or they're they're testing pieces of it in 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 preparation for um something bigger or it's really just a you know, a iteration of the current hardware in some capacity. Yeah, and if I'm Nintendo, I think that's the path I choose. I can introduce a pro 
that's my premium hardware and I can price that at say 350, I can then price this Realtek 4K enhanced V2 version at 299 or maybe even 249 if I want. I also introduced the light at 199 or 149, depending how we want to do the pricing structure, all have some sort of 4K functionality. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you have that now as a standard across your brand. And it's just the means of how you achieve it to be differently. 4K is going to be achieved via DLSS on the Pro. And on the V2 Light and Switch OG, it's going to be obtained with this special super dock. Yep. I, I like this. I like that conclusion that we just came to. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, that. I think it makes sense. A nice, natural, organic conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> just based on the information that we're seeing in front of us. And I, I like that. I like that outcome. <laughs> now we will jump into some of the Streamlab questions that we got over the last week. Our first one comes from the Zelda Sensei, who donated $100 and is the first dedication for this episode. And they write, not concerned about the dedication, just keep up the great content. Thank you. They are referring to last week, where I forgot to introduce them in the opening for the dedication segment. But thank you for your donation and generosity, Zelda Sensei. Then had a $10 donation from Wackel Farrow. I think I said that right who writes, Happy New Year, Nate and MVG. I have this theory that the next 2D Metroid and the next Donkey Kong game are the same game, a crossover called Metroid Primal, where they face <laughs> King Craig rule. I love this. I love this. Let, let's, Nintendo, let's ship it, ship it immediately. I, I'm all about this. Nintendo Primal? Are you kidding me? That is like the best name for a video game I've ever heard. Let's make it happen. Metroid Detroit Primal and King Creed Rule. And they continued with, are there any crossovers you'd like to see? What would be your dream crossover? <laughs> um, I've always uh, had this fascination with like Gordon Freeman and, and Master Chief in some type of game together. I don't know what it would be, but it'd be kind of cool. Like maybe, maybe Master Chief has dropped into, uh, you know, the Black Mesa or something. Um, That'd be pretty cool. I don't know, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm big on the the Halo and the uh, the Half Life crossover. Even though it started as a joke, I love the idea of Star Fox GP of like Star Fox meeting F Zero because there's so much potential there. Yeah, of racing on the different planets that are featured in the Star Fox franchise with that futuristic element of F-Zero, and you can incorporate the gold rings from F-Zero on the track to give you a boost, or you could collect them to buy you know, new equipment for your vehicle. I would actually love to see something like Star Fox GP become real. I'm into it. Yeah, that sounds like a, a great game that I would love to play. And I have to make mention of Mario Rabbids, because if you would have told me five years ago that Mario is going to have a crossover with the Raving Rabbits as a strategy RPG, I would have said you are out of your mind. That sounds terrible, but Ubisoft created one of the finest Switch games when they did that exact crossover a few years ago. Yep. Uh, I want to see more from Mario Rabbids. Yeah, hopefully they have to do a sequel to that game. That game was way too successful for us not to see Mario Rabbids too. 
We then had a dollar donation from Josh Tarpley, who writes, So I want to be hyped for Metroid stuff, but I'm trying to find out if I actually like Metroidvanias or not. Any recommendations for reference? I rage quit Hollow Knight about seven hours in, and I absolutely love both of the Ori games. Ooh, um, if we're keeping it strictly to the Switch, I mean, I, I'd say you played two of the or three of the best Metroidvania games on that platform. But if we can go to other systems, I mean, I'd actually on the Switch itself play Super Metroid on yeah. Nintendo Switch Online. I was going to say the same thing. Maybe keep it old school. Um, is Symphony of the Night on the Switch? If it, it is, is not, oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say check out Symphony of the Night because um, I mean it doesn't get any any better than that really and it's I guess the game that yeah. that's coined that phrase you know along with obviously Metroid yeah I mean I'd recommend if you can play games beyond the Switch look into Metroid Zero Mission on the Game Boy Advance it's a good pick look at some of the Castlevania games on the Game Boy Advance like um, Harmony of, of Sorrow yeah Harmony of Dissonance is was that one of them I, I was getting confused and I think the- other one was Circle of the Moon. Circle of the Moon, that's right. Yep. Um, but try Super Metroid on Nintendo Switch Online. If that game clicks with you, I think you'll enjoy a 2D Metroid when and if one comes to the Switch this year or next year. So try those out and see if they resonate with you. Then had a $3 donation from Anonymous Gamer who writes, I have a wild card to propose. What if Nintendo upgraded the dock itself instead of the console? <laughs> Make it work with the current Switch, and you got the upgraded visuals and FPS while docked, and you don't have to buy a whole new console for it in the long term. We touched on that a bit this episode, and the only gate would be the USB-C speed yeah. on the Switch itself. I'm but not sure. As we, yeah, I'm not sure if it's if it's capable enough to handle all that. Right. Well, I guess, I mean, as we kind of concluded, maybe if they have that wireless docking solution where the dock itself has that Realtek 4K chip and they're connecting to it wirelessly to get that 4K image, you would at least get a resolution increase, but you wouldn't be able to get that FPS boost. We then had a dollar donation from Hazed, who writes, Hello, guys. Love the stuff. I got to ask now that Nintendo decided to buy Next Level Games. Do you think... This sets a possible Nintendo buying up indie studios or panic button or the big get Capcom. Um, I don't think so. I th- I don't think that Nintendo is in the business of mergers and acquisitions. I don't think they're actively pursuing buying studios. I think uh-huh. the next level games acquisition was an opportunity that fell into their laps. And in some ways it was we probably need to move on this. Otherwise we're going to lose a bunch of really cool technology that they've come up with and personnel, of course, you know, and people. So I, I I think that the next level games acquisition was kind of the exception rather than the rule. If you go back and look at what they've acquired over the years, I think the one before next level was, and Nate, tell me if I'm wrong. Was it monolith soft back in like 2008 or something? Was it someone else? I think there was one more since Monolith, but it was a it was a smaller company, right? I mean, so so I guess you know, look at their history of 
of of not buying studios i'll say um i don't really mm-hmm. expect that to change yeah i don't expect it to change much i could see them only acquire studios that they have worked in very closely with over years and that the studio then expresses interest in being bought but nintendo likes to contract companies and do work with them that way next level games is just an exception to the rule the shareholders were looking to sell and Nintendo saw the opportunity to buy had they not done so. Next Level Games could have gone to a competitor, which means Nintendo would lose one of their most consistent partners. So it made sense for them to purchase the company as opposed to like Alpha Dream that went bankrupt. It was more financially smart of Nintendo to hire employees from Alpha Dream than to buy a company that was weighed down by debt. So indie studios, they've partnered with a few times now, like Snipper Clips, those developers. I think it's in Nintendo's interest to continue partnering with those studios, but not to outright acquire them. But I do expect Nintendo will probably make some acquisitions in the next, you know, couple of years if the opportunities present themselves to Nintendo. Nintendo's not window shopping for developers. Right. But if the opportunity comes across their desk, they may consider it. Then had a $25 donation from Zadia Quest, who writes, no question, here's to growing the channel in 2021. Here's hoping, Zadia, here's hoping. We then had a $10 donation from No Rudev. I think I said it right. If I did not, I apologize. They write, hi, Nate and MVG. The next level game acquisition got me thinking. What do you think happened to Brian Davis? His Twitter account is no more, and he was one of few developers who was actually very enthusiastic about Nintendo games and very engaging with the community. I don't know what happened to Brian Davis. Yeah. It's a good question. Very good question. (laughs) I wish I had an answer to it. (laughs) I'm going to have to ask around, see if anyone knows. He then had a $5 donation from Skittittles who writes, so the year exclusivity of Final Fantasy VII Remake is up in April. Do you guys predict we'll see it release on Xbox and Steam in April or does Square wait a bit? And why the hell isn't there a PlayStation 5 version or patch already? Feels like a missed opportunity. There is a rumor of a patch um, that's kind of floating around that that we will see a, an enhanced PS5 version. So I, I, I would expect we will. As far as will we see it on X cloud and on the Xbox and, and, and whatnot? Yes, but maybe not for a while. I could see Sony coming in once again and dropping some money at square to prevent it coming from the Xbox for like another year. Yeah. I anticipate it probably drops on steam almost as early as April. Like the minute that deal is up for the PlayStation four exclusive contract, I think it drops on steam like within a month. Yeah. PlayStation five, Ideally, it is just a patch, but Square, I don't trust Square to just do that. I see them releasing a PlayStation 5 native version of Final Fantasy VII Remake with slightly new content, probably incorporate some of the features you'll see on the PC version, like ray tracing, and you're going to have to rebuy it for $60. But hopefully it's just a patch, but never underestimate the game industry's desire for money. We then had a $100 donation from Shamsa. No message. Shamsa is the second dedication to today's episode. Thank you for your continued support, support, Shamsa. 
We highly appreciate it. Then had a $10 donation from Spiral Keith, who writes, Listening to the episode about Nintendo anniversaries, I have to speak out on how Donkey Kong Country was the first Nintendo franchise I played as a kid at four years on my Game Boy Advance. My love for the Kongs is huge. My question is, what is the game y'all played as kids that you remember vividly? That's going a ways back for you there, MVG. It is, but I mean, I think I think the one that, that stands <laughs> out more than anything was Link to the Past, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I played video games before Link to the Past, and and I which I adored, but Link to the Past was just a unbelievable wow oh my god moment for me that kind of changed my my life really as far as what how i felt about video games and i think that's probably the the big one for me yeah i would agree with length of the past the only other game i would say was probably super mario world because my brother would give me a second controller and claim i was playing with him and when he died he'd blame me and punch (laughs) me so that's a pretty vivid memory of sibling abuse (laughs) (laughs) Then had a $3 donation from Matthias Manchester. Writes, hi, Nate and MVG. I have a question. If you could choose for one dormant franchise to be revived as long as an active franchise is shelved, what would you pick and why? I absolutely love the podcast, and I hope Nate lets his southern accent come out one day. Darn that Jeff Grubb for revealing I have a southern accent. (laughs) (laughs) Man, she was a dormant franchise to shelve an active one. Ooh, wow, man! I mean, I, I know what I know what I would shelve. What I would shelve Watch Dogs. Okay, that's a good pick. Um, yeah. Revive. And what would I bring back? I mean, ooh, Dead Space comes to mind as a good one. Um, Silent Hill okay. comes comes to mind, even though apparently it's coming back. Um, yes. <laughs> I mean, there's some good ones. I'd I'd probably say Dead Space for me. I think that's that's something that's kind of missing. Um, but what, what do you think? I mean, you've always got an interesting take on this stuff. Uh, who would I shelve? Um, you know, I like your Watch Dogs pick. Watch Dogs. I would choose Watch Dogs or Assassin's Creed. I think Assassin's Creed needs to go Ooh, on a little longer I, break. I I think you're being harsh. I I wouldn't. I, I would continue with Assassin's Creed. Does it? Does this Ooh. franchise need help? Yes. Um, but I'm I'm okay with with the, with the series. I think I'd put Assassin's Creed on the shelf for a little bit, and I would bring back 2D Strider. Oh, that's a good pick. Or Metal Slug. Ooh, yeah. I like where your head's at with that one. That, that's that's a great pick. I could I, I could get I could get some old school Metal Slug back. I'd be okay oh, with God, that. I love, I love Metal Slugs. <laughs> Uh, then we had a $2 donation from Jackie G, who writes, Hope you all are well. When do you believe Sony will release a state of play? I feel like with the announcement of Returnal for March, Ratchet & Clank will really be pushing the launch window phrase that Sony used. You would be right. And I think it's kind of concerning that Sony just showed a trailer at CES, and they had some release dates of games at the bottom, and Ratchet & Clank was shown in the footage, and Ratchet and Clank's release date was simply listed as 2021, the same release that Horizon Forbidden West had. And it's kind of hitting that point where, yeah, you're right. Launch window is typically six months, mm-hmm. so it could bring us to April. So maybe they still get it, but they really need to communicate a release date for Ratchet and Clank 
as soon as possible. As for when do I think we could see a state of play? Um, definitely before the conclusion of March, I would say mid-February. Yeah, I mean, they would have to show us something. And look, I don't want to speculate about what we saw at CES or what we didn't see at CES as far as release dates, but Ratchet, for me, I'm getting the feeling that it's more of a summer game now than a you know a launch window game. Hope not. <laughs> uh, we then had a five dollar donation from Almost. Who writes, "How did you and MVG get to get to doing the show together? Love the show. Keep it up." Um, I think we it were. Was... I think it was after a spawncast one night. We were talking, and yeah. I think we just kind of fleshed out. Maybe we should just do a show together. Yeah, I think it was pretty much that. I mean. I think it was, yeah, it was a topic on the Spawncast. You're like, you know what? We should just have a discussion. The two of us will have it. We'll record it. We'll drop it as a show on the channel. And then it just blossomed yeah. from there. I mean, we enjoy having these conversations together. We respect each other's opinion and take on the topics that we're discussing. And as everyone likes to mention in comments and on social media, we have a very good rapport and chemistry with each other. And we enjoy doing the show for you guys. Then have a final Streamlabs question from Skatittles, who donated $10, who writes, If Disney had no intentions of renewing EA's exclusivity for Star Wars, which expires in 2023, would they be able to begin production of a game now internally as long as it releases after the contract expires? Curious about Lucasfilm's games popping up. I do believe you could begin... Could you begin production of a game if you're still under con... If, the license is still under contract i think so uh the, uh, and i'm not a lawyer so um yeah, but i, I think I so term of- yeah like if if ea wants to make kotor 3 right um mm-hmm. i think they can and still release it after you know um that that contract had, had lapsed or ex- expired i think so but again i'm not a lawyer so there may be some more complications to that I'm not sure exactly how all the terms and dealings work behind the scenes. And that is our last Streamlabs question. I'd like to thank everyone who donated. If you'd like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in our description below on YouTube. You can donate any dollar amount, ask a question, we will answer it. If you donate $100 or more, we will dedicate the episode to you. Today's episode is dedicated to the Zelda Sensei and Shamsa. Once again, thank you for your generosity and support. I'd like to thank MVG for joining me as always. Hey, thanks for having me on as always. And you can find a link to mvg's channel in the youtube description below he has new content out every monday so be sure to give his channel a look if you enjoyed this video give the video a like if you didn't give it a dislike be sure to leave your thoughts on today's episode in the comments section and be sure to subscribe to the channel as well we are trying to hit 10,000 subscribers and we are very close so thank you to everyone who supports us and subscribes and until next time continue to embrace the hate